It is entirely possible for you to live a majority of your Christian life with spiritual blindness. Now, we know that when Christ enters in, he's gonna open your eyes and he's gonna illuminate you within a certain capacity so that you can give your life over to Christ. So he'll open your eyes just enough for you to be able to see that you need Jesus and that he is your only hope and that sin is not something you're just gonna be able to kick like a bad habit, that you're gonna need the power of God's presence in your life in order to come into initial faith. But apart from the initial eye opening, there is a process and a journey to grow in a knowledge and a revelation of all that God wants you to be. And it's entirely possible, and I believe many believers, they are living still from an altar profession. Uh, they've given their life to Christ in a one, two, three prayer, and they've never moved past that altar. I want you to know God has more for you. Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church, located in Beverly, Massachusetts. We pray that you are enriched, challenged, and inspired to press on towards the cause of Christ. I was at least in my 30s when I fully committed my life to Jesus. Prior to that time, I'd been a part of church, I was a part of the youth group, I'd been a part of Christian functions. Uh, in fact, I even went to Bible college. In all honesty, I went to Bible college because I had hopes and, and dreams and, and aspirations to achieve music. And I thought, you know, as I'm waiting for music to work out for me, I might as well get some kind of a degree. Uh, I needed a, chain of scene, a change of scenery. And so I, I went to college, like honestly, I. I've come to learn, like a lot of college students, not with the purest of intentions. Um, I, I didn't have it together, and a lot of college students really don't. Uh, but it would be through the journey of going through Bible college and stumbling and making a lot of mistakes, and then ultimately even coming out of Bible college and for a season really pushing away from the call and pushing myself away from a, a relationship with the Lord and spending a season wandering in my wilderness, going after what I wanted. It wouldn't be until my 30s that I would fully commit myself back to Christ. And, and then and it, was, it really wasn't an effort of my own. The Holy Spirit wrecked me. He invaded my home. He invaded my life. He said, enough's enough. You've been living in sin. You've been living in rebellion. And I have plans for you. And the Lord really took hold of my life one October many, many years ago. But uh, what I found is that despite church attendance and despite waving of the hands and experiencing things, that made me feel good and, and kept me in a, a particular circle, I never developed in the things of God. God wants you to develop in Him. And it's not something that I think was even really talked about heavily. You know, when I think about the types of messages, oh, there were great messages, great pastors, great leaders, great influences, but there was this assumption that because I made this profession of faith, that there's this ongoing pursuit 
based on attendance, based on showing up. And that is so important, show up. I say often presence is ministry. You're encouraging the pastor when you show up and you're being an encouragement and you are potentially exposing yourself to God's word and you're potentially exposing yourself to a mighty move of God. And so being there, attendance, showing up is, you know, more than half the battle. But there also has to be a genuine pursuit and want to develop. So I'm going to be reading today out of Ephesians 1.18, and I believe this sheds some light on this growth and development that believers absolutely must have in their life in order to arrive at a place in their life as a believer that they can effectively be a witness to others, and it's less of a crutch. People say, is your Christianity a crutch or is your faith a crutch? You know, if I never allow myself to heal and get off the crutch, uh, then I'm always going to be supported by this faith crutch. But God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be whole. He don't want you walking on crutches. He wants you to be able to move and live and be in his being. Here's what Ephesians 1.18 says. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Let's pray for a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that over the next few minutes that you would pilot this conversation, that you would pilot this teaching. Uh, Lord, deposit something in us. Your word does that. You always do that. Uh, that will change us right now. We don't have to be the same person uh, that initially hit play on this podcast. Change us for your glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to I want to ask who is this passage for? That's the first thing that I thought of when I was reading this because Paul's come swinging out of the gates by verse 18. He's saying, "Listen, you guys are blind. You I'm praying that your heart would be enlightened to something that you are not getting." Now, he's not outrightly calling them blind, but he's saying that there's still a deeper level of understanding that you have not yet achieved because if you had this understanding, then there would be things in your life that would change. So who is he talking to? Well, all you gotta do is scroll towards the beginning of this, and he tells us, uh, this is to the saints. He says it right here in verse one, chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus. So Paul is writing to the believers, to the church. So that means that these are saints. Now, you, you don't, I know the Catholic Church has told us what saints are, and to my Catholic brothers and sisters, I have to sharply disagree that a saint is solely a dead person who did good deeds, uh, but that there's far more to being a saint and that you can be a living saint and that you are a living saint and that you've been made holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you are a saint uh, in this moment, and that's who Paul's writing to. So. Let, let's go ahead and contrast this real quick. These are a group of people that have proclaimed faith, yet they still lack a deeper revelation. Have you proclaimed faith? Where's your faith right now? If you're listening, I trust you've proclaimed faith. So then the second question is, is it possible that you may be living without a deeper revelation? This is what Paul's saying. He says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, okay, that you may be able to comprehend, that you may be able to have a deeper realization or that what God wants for you would be realized. That's, what, that's what's going on here. In order that you may know the hope. Stop. Saints 
that are not living with the fullness of hope. Coming out of a pandemic in 2020, my God, how many saints are living without hope, that are living in fear, that are living just desperate right now. And it's natural that we would feel this way. It's natural that we would uh, sense these things, but God wants to deposit a hope in you that would combat everything your eyes are seeing right now. And then he goes on to say this hope to which he has called you. So Paul's writing to some saints that though they've proclaimed faith, they are living without a revelation, they're living without a fullness of hope, and they're living without the fullness of the knowledge of the call. But wait, it gets better here because they're also lacking the riches of his glorious inheritance that is what we are to acquire by faith through Christ. God wants you to be a saint so that you will walk in the fullness of your inheritance. Now, before you shut this off, listen, this isn't a healthy, wealthy, and a wise message, although I do believe it within certain capacities. God wants you to be healthy, and God wants you to be within reason wealthy, and he wants you to walk in wisdom. The word of God says if you lack wisdom, ask of him, but he wants you to be wealthy in the things of the spirit. He wants you to be wise in the things of the spirit. He wants you to be spiritually healthy. That is what is important. So what is this inheritance? Because it seems like that is the point of verse 18. He wants you to have a comprehension, a revelation of hope and knowledge of this inheritance. Well, let's read Ephesians 1.3 and then we're going to jump to 3.16. Here's what 1.3 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual I said it's about the spiritual healthy, wealthy, and wise. Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All right? God wants you to achieve and acquire these spiritual blessings that are in Christ. But I think 3.16 sheds a little bit more illumination. I'm going to back up to 14. It says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. Do you need strength in your inner man? Hallelujah. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. God wants you to walk in the fullness of your inheritance. Now, there was several defining factors in the life, work, and ministry of Jesus. If Jesus could be summed up, and if somebody said, Jesus, how did you do that? How did you live the life that you lived? I, I know that you're God, okay? But a lot of times, that's our cop-out. We say, well, Jesus was God. I'm not God. Oh, but Jesus was also a man, and you are human, all right? And everything that Jesus did, that he did as a man, is demonstrative of what you and I ought to be doing as a human. 
You understand that Jesus Christ was baptized. Jesus Christ received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ went about doing good, healing the sick and the oppressed and casting out devils. That's your work. He was demonstrating that. It's a cop out to say he was a man and, and he was God. And so I can't uh, do those things. No, you've been called to live like Christ. In fact, he's placed the deposit in you in order that you may be able to accomplish those things which he has called you to. So uh, Jesus would be surmised by his prayer ethic and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul begins this by saying, I pray. So that's where we're going to camp out for the next couple of minutes here. Because I believe very often we are not experiencing the fullness because of our lack of understanding of prayer. Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26, we know not how to pray. Oh, but he goes on to tell us that the Spirit intercedes for us. See, prayer is a function that includes the fullness of God. Oh, if you know this, then you would be engaging in prayer. You want to engage the fullness of God. I'm talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes it very clear in concept that God has expressed himself as, number one, one single being. There are not multiple gods. There is not a division of who God is. God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Yet, God refers to himself in the plural. This is a mystery, yet comprehensible in many ways. In the beginning, God created, and God said, let us. Now, this is powerful because the word that's used in the book of Genesis when the account of creation is being given is, he uses the word Elohim. Uh, that's the Hebrew plural. He's referring to a council that God says to himself, we. And so we see the spirit of God is breathing and hovering over the, the waters of the earth. Uh, and then there's a creative element and then a voice behind the creative element. And that's a mystery until Christ Jesus is revealed in the book of John, where it says that in the beginning, Christ was there. He was with God in the beginning and through him, all things were created and that Jesus is that spoken word. What, what, what am I trying to say here? Uh, is that when you pray to God, know that you are number one, praying in the name of Jesus. John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So it's in the name of Jesus, but we're also coming in or through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplications to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplications for all the saints we're being challenged to pray constantly in the spirit what is in the spirit well when we get to this portion in ephesians the holy spirit has been given and the work and ministry of the apostles is seeing others baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see it constantly. That's their ministry. Read through the book of Acts. You will see it constantly laying hands and a speaking in tongues. And you, we, listen, 
a lot of times we live within the confines, the prisons of what we want to accept, within the confines of what our theology, what our denomination, or what makes us feel comfortable. And so because of that, we're not walking in the maturity and the fullness of what God wants for you. What would happen if you took the limitations off of God? To those that doubt, to those that feel like, you know, I, 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 I've arrived, I gave my life to Jesus, now I'm just living a clean life. You know, too many times we make a profession at the altar and we never leave that altar. We said a quick prayer and that was it. But what would happen if you said, God, there's got to be more. Because when I read Ephesians 18, I see that these are a group of believers that are yet to come to the maturity and the fullness of what God has for them. And I would say the same to you, that God has more for you. Would you be willing to let down the limitations in the guard and invite God to bring more of his fullness and presence into your life? Let's move on. In Jude 1.20, it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14, 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I believe God wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be praying with fervor and with passion continually, not just when you feel like it, not when you're facing a crisis and not before you're going to bed, not before you're eating a meal. God wants you to be walking in communion with him. When's the last time that you really let your hair down and just began to pray? Well, I used to call that losing your wig. You know, you get so loose that you just get going and you just start praying. When's the last time you lost your wig in prayer? And then lastly, the aspect of prayer that really needs to be embraced is that you're praying to God. Jesus modeled this. People say, how do you pray? Do you pray to Jesus? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, understanding that, that this is a triune God, that this is the Spirit of God, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, that, that the, 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 the disciples fell at the feet of Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. And so I don't believe it's necessarily error to pray, but if we want to grow in the maturity uh, of of what the Bible teaches, then I say follow the biblical model. The Bible says when you pray, pray like this, our Father, our Father, engage God. Say my Father, my Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Uh, for, for Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says it, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. So we pray in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, to God the Father. That just about covers it, amen? <laughs> but listen, there's another side of being able to grow and mature that you may know the breadth and the depth and the width and the height and the full capacity that God has for you. And it's that you've gotta be heavenly minded. I remember when we were kids, my brother bought a go-kart. I don't think they sell go-karts like they do nowadays. Uh, maybe they do, but I'm talking about eight, nine, and 10-year-olds riding in these motorized vehicles that went 15, 20, and 30 miles an hour. Uh, bought one at Toys R Us, I remember that. But what my brother learned is that you could remove the governor off the engine. And when you did that, that you could double or even triple the speed of that vehicle. That's very dangerous. 
And so you had kids all throughout the neighborhood taking the governors off. And they found that they could perform at a higher capacity than they did before. I wonder, is there a spiritual governor in your life or in your mind or in your heart that is preventing you from walking in the riches of his glorious inheritance? Because if you've given your life to Jesus, then you are one of these holy people. This is not a season to walk around with your head hanging low, feeling defeated and crushed. This is a season to rise up in power and authority. And I think one of the things that prevents us from walking in the fullness is that we don't get it. We don't get it. What, what is it that we don't get? Well, let's read out of Romans real quickly here. Romans 8, 5, and 6, it says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Let's go a little further. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If God has more for you and you're resistant to it, might I suggest that you might be trying to comprehend and live and walk this faith out by flesh. And it's time today that we subdue the flesh and we say, God, take the governor off of my mind and my heart that I would go after the fullness of those things that you have allotted for me. God, if you have more, I want it. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I want the eyes of my heart enlightened. Father, I want to know the hope to which you have called me to. Father, I want to know the riches of his glorious inheritance, uh, of Christ's inheritance, because a lot of times we wait on inheritances until we die. But Jesus, you died on the cross that I could live in my inheritance today, that I could walk, because the kingdom of God is not a goal that I'm going to arrive at when I die. But the kingdom of God is today, here and now, and I want the kingdom of God alive and active in my life. Would you pour it out in my life today? In Jesus' name, Lord, I release myself into your mighty hands that I might be all that you've called me to be. Help me. Help me. Help me get my eyes on you that I would live and serve you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I love you. I want to be everything you've called me to be, so help me to do that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Before you can gain the inheritance, you have to be a child of God. I want to ask you, have you ever given your life to Jesus entirely? If you haven't, we can pray a simple prayer, but don't leave your faith at this prayer. You want to grow. You want to be discipled. You want to mature into all the things that God has for you. So why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross and I believe you rose again and I believe you're coming again. I commit my life to you. I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life and that no man may come to the Father but through you because that's what your word says and something in me agrees with that. Something in me says, yes, I may not understand it, but I believe it. I give you my life. Make me a child of God. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you were blessed today, if you prayed these prayers and you want more prayer and you want to connect with me, I invite you to send me an email at pastor at gardencitychurch.net. 
I want to partner with you, walk with you, and see you grow in the things of God. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to keep running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. You can join Pastor Aaron weekly at Garden City Church in person or online. Till next time, keep pressing on.